You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I am so thrilled to bring my next guest, Tina K. Kalia. She is the feminine pathfinder, and we're going to be diving into her journey from corporate burnout to cakes and feminine empowerment. Welcome, Tina. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Natalie. Such a pleasure, and I'm excited to meet you in person. We don't live far from each other. For those of you that don't know Tina, Tina K. Kalia is an unapologetic wild woman, author, speaker, and possibility agent. She is an embodiment coach, sacred circle facilitator, a rebel, and fiercely devoted to helping female leaders break up with limiting beliefs, reclaim their voice, and ditch their not-good-enoughness bring it. She is the founder and CEO of The Feminine Pathfinder, and she's on a mission to inspire women to sign their own permission slips, ask for what they truly desire, say no with confidence, and embrace putting themselves first without feeling guilty. Tina works with women who help them find balance again, rekindle their zest for life, and come into deeper alignment with their feminine energy in business and in life. She leads them on a path of becoming fully embodied women so they can thrive from boardroom (laughs) to bedroom and everywhere in between. She also just released her first book, Corporate Rewilding, A Wild Woman's Guide to Reclaiming Your Feminine Power. Oh, Tina, this is so exciting. Thank you. Let's, yeah, let's dive in. I mean, I'd love to hear how we got to this place. And by the way, as I read out your bio... There is so, so much synergy with the women that I'm, I don't, I don't deal a lot with corporate women. A lot of my women are entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs, but so many of them are really wanting to release or lean into that feminine side of themselves. And a lot of them are wanting to, or ready to be taken care of or put themselves first and ditch the guilt. So this is going to really resonate with my audience. Thank you. It is definitely something that is on a lot of women's mind and I see it in the circles that I hold. I think we have come to a point, especially what we have been through collectively over the last couple of years, that we don't want to necessarily be stuck in a system that dictates a nine to five, where it leaves very little room to be all the other things we still have to do in our life. We're mothers, we're daughters, we are wives, lovers, there's just so many things. So I think uh, being able to come back to who we are as women and redefining that is a courageous thing to do. It really is. And it's, you know, it's more timely now than ever before. I would love to ask you a little bit more about your journey. I'd love to invite you to walk us through. But before I do that, I'm going to ask a really annoying question. I had a previous guest, Tarisha Taruk, and she also is in this space. I'll I'll connect you guys. You'll totally vibe. And she made a post recently about how she still kind of gets offended when people ask her what her accent is. So that's why I said I'm going to ask you a possibly annoying question. What is your accent? (laughs) It is German. I was born in Germany and I got the call to come to New Zealand for a year to work uh, in 1999. So I packed everything in and traveled through the Pacific Islands for a few months and then joined um, a company down here and crossed paths with my now husband after a year and I never left. So it is a German accent that you can never quite get out. (laughs) All good. I've got a beautiful woman in my networking club and she was also a previous guest, Sophie Kaiser. She's like amazing vitality coach. And she also is German, but it's so subtle. She must have come here younger because I came here at the age of 23 and my accent is going nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) And that's part of who we are. Exactly. Exactly. It's a conversation starter. I don't get offended. Um, Tell us a little bit more about the, you know, your journey from corporate burnout to feminine empowerment. It's been quite the journey and not one that um, I would have ever thought I'd be speaking about in public. But as I traveled through various breakdowns and the lots of hard lessons, I realized that I'm not the only one. And I made it my mission to be a light for other women, to let them know that they're not alone on that path and that there are ways to have a more balanced life. And I don't like to use the cliche of work-life balance. I think it's overdone. And I think it's it's a catch-all phrase for slapping a band-aid over something that actually requires much deeper inquiry. 
And I lead to um, the conclusion that it's not just a gender gap or a pay gap. It's also an assertiveness gap. Mm. We simply do not know um, how to express what we truly desire because we deny ourselves. And then we don't ask for what we want in a way where it's okay to be a little more assertive. Men do it all the time. And I would say that a lot of the audience probably has been in a position where they've walked into a boardroom as maybe the only female or one of very few on a senior management level. And they took the chair at the end of the table and didn't actually come out and say what they wanted to contribute. And I think it's holding us back. So for me, it was paired with conditioning from very early childhood of being not too much, not too loud. So I tend to want it to blend in the background. Now, when you are um, in a leadership role in a media company, that's a bit hard to pull off. And the more I was trying to, I guess, prove myself and look for my worth um, in the outside realm, the more I was burning out because I didn't say no to stuff. And that was something I had to learn. I was simply too afraid that I was either going to um, lose my job if I become too stroppy in inverted commas and not wanting to rock the boat, especially as the global financial crisis hit back in the day. And I literally uh, was stuck in a hamster wheel. And I noticed it because women who seem to have got that balance, they radiate just a zest for life. And I wanted to have that. But because I didn't, they triggered me. So I used to go, oh, yeah, look at them. Don't you have a job to do? You know, those little stories that you tell yourself. So I kept myself stuck in that and didn't realize what amount of impact stress has on the feminine body in particular. I thought the more busy you are and the more you do this whole paradigm of you work hard and you play hard, that that is where it gets you to the top. And it's a misnomer because I was ruining my health and I had anxiety. I ended up being um, depressed. I had adrenal fatigue, which 10 years ago was not quite as well diagnosed as it is today. And sadly, I have had multiple miscarriages. Hmm. And that's when I realized that everything was crumbling and it nearly cost me my marriage as well. So that's been my story. And we're talking over a decade ago. And reclaiming my path to the woman who you have um, today was a lot of inquiry, a lot of looking at the conditioning and owning everything that I am as a woman. And when you manage to bring this into, I guess, unison and you're not afraid to be seen and take up space and speak up, life changes and something magical happens because you actually become confident and you stand with a groundedness that I wish for every woman out there. And that's when I thought, mm, I want to really speak about it because I noticed that it hits a chord with a lot of women who are stuck. They seem to have it all. The corner office, um, the package, the car, the expense account, the travel, but at what cost? And for me, it was not a good story. So here I am today. Um, helping other women owning that part and making some subtle changes so they become a journey home to themselves. That's how I would phrase it. Oh, what an amazing phrase. I feel like that woman who can do it all is almost a thing of the past because I feel like it's it's done us a disservice because we think that we can do it all. So we have to do it all and we try to do it all. And it's it's not sustainable, as you say. And the burnout thing, I mean, I imagine if I asked my audience, you know, if they were standing in a room with me, how many of you have experienced burnout before? Like quite a high percentage would put their hand up. Mm. Do you feel like we've moved on from that do-it-all woman mentality? I think we're just getting over it. We're wired and tired and we don't know why. Mm. And unless you walk into a place where you have lots of embodied women, and that means women who own all of themselves without necessarily caring too much what the outside world projects onto them, and they can hold that power they have um, that comes from within, I think it's it's a it's a polarization, and we're not Wonder Woman. 
and we cannot have it all because we also have to come in our careers at some point to the crossroads, whether we want to be working mothers, whether we want to have children, whether how do we want to be there for the children and what sort of legacy do we actually want to create? And the more women, um, and I don't like necessarily use the word awaken, but the more you become conscious of what it is to be in alignment with your values and integrities, we just not want to take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, depending on what environment we're in, can be the home, can be the family, can be work. Nine times out of ten, it starts in the workplace. Um, we don't we don't necessarily stand up and stand tall and ask for changes or even um, verbalize it. And I think that's something that has to change. Owning your voice, it's important for women. It really is. And I do think you're right. We are on that pivotal turning point. We haven't quite got there yet. At my recent forest retreat, we did a ceremony at the end. Well, actually, on day one, I asked the women this question, which is, what are you longing for? And I've asked my audience this before, you know, what are you longing for? And on the flip side, what are you done with that you can say no to in order to create the life you want or or bring what you're longing for into fruition? And it really is. I think women are starting to really acknowledge whether it's something in the home or something at work. I am done with this responsibility or that expectation or this obligation or whatever it might be. And that's powerful. Do you see women doing that? Releasing those, those expectations that they're putting on themselves? I think they do more and more. And to some of them, the more, the longer you ignore it. And that was the same for me, the longer you ignore it, eventually, not only your body is going to tell you, you cannot continue to do that. Uh, Something will happen that will snap you out of it. Um, certainly the last few years, I've seen a lot of women, when you have that time to stop and to be still, you remember what happened to my hobby, what happened to painting, what happened to dancing, or just sitting quiet in a chair and read a book. As far as my own conditioning comes, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen my grandmother or mother sit on a chair in the garden and just read a book for an hour because they felt, um, be looked at as being lazy being full of yourself is something i would love every woman to explore because it's tainted as a phrase but that's exactly what we want to do we want to fill our cup we want to feel radiant and then we can give to others and i think we become better um, leaders better role models better mothers better wives and lovers all of the things oh you made me feel good just then because um I definitely, not intentionally, but I definitely role model to my kids, mom lying in the swing chair, reading a book on a sunny day, Uh, (laughs) not only on the weekend, even sometimes during the week. Um, But, you know, my own mother, you know, she, even now in her 80s, high 70s, 80s, she will say things like, oh, all I want to do is just read a book. And I'm like, mom, you literally are retired and you have no kids at home and your my dad is also like you can do that every day why do you keep thinking you can't do that <laughs> yeah it is a thing and i always ask i actually make women do that when i work with them they're signing their own permission slips yes it's a like she just wants to do a sudoku it. puzzle and feels like it's such a luxury i'm like you could literally spend three hours a day doing sudoku just saying yeah, yeah. but they have to sign their own slip i can't sign it for her No, and this is the thing. You have to do the work yourself. You have to look into the places where we subconsciously know that something is not right or doesn't feel good. But do we actually allow ourselves to go there? Because often you had to be honest with yourself and it's not always pretty. For me, it was the fact that when I was going through the grief or the ignored grief for so many years of losing those pregnancies, I always wanted to know why is this happening over and over again? And I didn't realize that my body, it was so stressed and so run down. It simply did not allow me um, to create the safety to carry a pregnancy to full term. That was a hard pill to swallow. And once you own that, you can move through that grief. You acknowledge it, but you lose a lot of the emotional charge where you're blaming yourself because it's not going to help you move through that Mm. it's sharing the story to make sure women understand how much more susceptible we are to stress because we have gone in the last hundred years we've gone from being stay-at-home mums and not that that necessarily was 
all good back then. But we've become these super machines that's supposed to be going to work and and doing the career. We're going to be the picture perfect soccer moms. We are uh, hosting dinner parties. We're a lover, a wife, we organize the household. While as when are we going to relinquish some of those roles? We do it all. And it's not serving us, like you said earlier. And I feel like what we crave, or at least I'll speak for myself, but there's many women I think that would agree, is to be taken care of and to not have to do, quote unquote, everything. Yeah. And to relinquish some of the control, because I think if we have people in our home or in our life who want to take work off us, we need to be okay to receive Mm. that pause that's given to us and just revel in it um, because it is nourishing for us. And it's the nervous system is not used to it which is why so many women throughout those lockdowns we all gone through had a time to reassess because there was nothing distracting them. Yeah. And they realized, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Why can't I? The, the, the corporations we worked for did not crumble uh, generally uh, because we didn't stay in an office from nine to five. But being flexible and, and doing our time the way it suits around our lifestyle makes us not just better workers, it makes us happier and more fulfilled. And I think while it's still happening, all the other roles have piled back on. And we kind of not learned those lessons, or at least we haven't implemented some of those changes. So what I'm hearing is it starts with partly some small steps of being able to receive. I remember a few years ago, I was like, even, you know, even then I'm like, I just want more love and I just want to be taken care of. And then someone would say, hey, mom, can I make you a cup of tea? And I'm like, no, thanks. I'll get it myself. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized I was literally <laughs> saying no to the love. And so we need to realize when someone's trying, you know, giving us an olive branch of of support or love or whatever, even if it's just, can I make you a cup of tea? Just say yes. Like just to get into the habit. What do, what do you think yeah. of that? Yeah, I think it is true. And I'm just as guilty as everybody else. Um, because I think we 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 tend to want it perfect. Um, uh, when it comes to, you know, you everyone has the way to, I mean, little things like how you stack your dishwasher or how mm-hmm. the towels are folded. It's quite hilarious, but does it really matter in the greater mm-hmm. scheme of things? You just leave it alone. If it's a nice day, I had to learn to ignore things and go, you know what, we're gonna go to the beach, have a few hours on the beach. Uh, we leave the washing alone. It is ingrained in some of those little things. And I mean, I come from from Germany. My my grandmother was very proper, mm-hmm. and she had ways to. She she would iron her tea towels, um, because it was just what that generation um, had modeled to them. And when I moved to New Zealand, it was like, oh, ooh, it's a free for all. The freedom and less of that expectation that everything had to be perfect and spotless has gone down the wayside a little bit, not to the point where you have a messy house, but to actually let some of those rules go and bend them and rewrite your own and be okay with it. Exactly. Um, I I personally cannot relate to that because I'm more of a, my kids would probably prefer if I did keep things a little tidier around the house, but I'm definitely like, let's leave the laundry and go to the beach. That sounds amazing to me. <laughs> It does. Something something else you said really resonated. Um, and this is around, you know, other women, you know, how women perceive or treat or judge other women. You talked about resenting the zest of others. Yes. And that is the mean girl mentality that we probably had that one or two girls, high school experiences could have been in the family where we were not part of the in crew or the it crew and we never quite feel like we fit it in perhaps or we've been picked on but you only have to go into a woman's um, locker room and you can see who is really comfortable in their own skin and who's not and it's something that I noticed as the ones who just you know flaunt around with with everything being on display without giving a, a cahoot about they're just being themselves and then the ones who change their entire gym outfit while being wrapped in a bath towel and I think we judge each other really harshly and even more so in social media. And I observe it with young women, with with teenage girls. I teach karate and I see them come through um, the training when they are sort of six, seven, and they're really feisty. And then they get to the puberty um, age and it feels sometimes like someone turned their light off. Mm. And instead of being really in their martial art, 
they look at the mirror they they um adjust what they wear there's a hair they tuck in and they're observing themselves and their reflection in the mirror rather than focusing on the actual kata that they're practicing and it's a sad thing and it's perpetuated by magazines social media everything around us i mean the amount of eating disorders that has been on the rise in the last 15 20 years is mind-blowing so if i can make a difference in not just women my age i'm going through menopause at the moment that's a whole nother topic but it's a mindset thing of yeah there's nothing you can change about the biological things but how you embrace it and you see the strength and the power in it when we join forces with one another is really beautiful because we have what i call sister wounding and if you want to go down the rabbit hole it goes down to parts in history where it was not safe for us to be center of attention or to speak up because it was times when we could have been put on the stake by just speaking the wrong thing or having a cat those kind of things and when you look into um, epigenetics and generational conditioning and trauma which is something I work with after going through my own journey with it so interesting it's really deeply ingrained in all of us even women that you think wow she has the perfect figure and top models tell you the same thing they have insecurities about their body but by whose standard it's not necessarily something we get born with. We come into this world owning all of it, but it's sort of around the age of six, seven, and, and there on forth where all this conditioning gets dumped on us. We internalize it. So women not able to speak up, even in a self-defense situation that's freezing, is because we've never really exercised our voice because grief, anger, rage, and sadness, those kind of emotions, um, very few families openly express those emotions. Mm -hmm. And as women, being angry or being loud or losing our stuff when, when we lose our, um, our composure is not necessarily something that's accepted very, very easily. Last week I had a guest, Bryony, and we talked about the power of the voice and exactly that. It's we're just getting used to speaking our truth or to question and question things. Um, and it's something we just we have to practice and get better at. Yeah. And I think in a corporate environment, even more so, how many women mm. actually go and and say, Well, sorry, I'm going for that promotion and this is my worth, and I'm asking for for the pay rise, I'm asking for the project or whatever it is. Men do it easily it's it's commanded they also mm -hmm. tend to be more in communion with one another they go golfing or they have drinks mm -hmm. at lunch um and yes a lot of companies do drinks after work but how many women go let's do a yoga night after work i know women in senior positions that um, work in the same company on the same floor they have not really interacted with one another in the same corporate office yeah and i think that's that's a sign that we need to embrace sisterhood on a collective level. Let go of the comparison and from the competition because elbowing up to the top is no longer something that actually is in alignment with who we are as women. We're designed to nurture. Mm -hmm. We love giving and we love sharing. And it needs to be fostered, not just at home. It needs to be in every part of society. And luckily, I know very many women's groups where that is actively fostered and it's not an easy process i remember the first time i walked in everything all my blinkers came down and i was quiet and i got oh this is this is different mm. but it's something that's really necessary because it puts a big mirror in front of you to go so why is this so uncomfortable for me where have i perpetuated and where have i been the person that potentially uh, compared myself where did I compete and where did I try and elbow someone out of the way mm -hmm. again self-inquiry observing exactly I prefer or I, what I go for in my relationships and connections is um co-opetition co-opetition with fellow women and I'm a huge fan of collaborations I know it's slightly different I don't know because I'm not in it I imagine it's slightly different in the corporate environment let's stay on the topic of topic of corporate for a moment how do women 
express who they are and go for the pay rise or whatever it is without trying to over be overly masculine while still staying as a feminine woman. Because I, I imagine it's really easy to try to be more assertive like a man or try to even dress like a man like they sometimes do. Are women able to be more feminine or be their true feminine selves while still being assertive and asking for the pay rise and all that? I think so. But I think it's something we need to hone in as a skill. It can be learned. I was ultra masculine. The power suit, the 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 structure. They used to call me um, flowchart as a middle name, as a nickname, because I was so structured. Mm -hmm. But it left absolutely no room for creativity. So mm -hmm. coming to a point where you know your worth will allow you to step out and you become so grounded. And I'm sure the audience will have an example where you see that woman who walks into a room and she doesn't have to speak. She doesn't have to necessarily contribute much, but the way she radiates an energy that is just mesmerizing. And this is what I call being an empowered, feminine, embodied leader, mm. where you can be a role model. It's whatever she's got, I want some of that. And we know women like that. But we then turn around because we're not like that, but we secretly yearn to be them, mm -hmm. that we go, oh, yeah, no, she, she's a bit different and she's – it's owning that in yourself and learning where do I not say no because when we ask often for permission we ask in a way that not like we already made the decision we kind of leaving ourselves open for people to pick holes in it like for instance it, it can be something small like would you like to really go to um this party on Saturday and we secretly go no I, didn't, I, I really want to go and lie on the couch and do nothing but because we're people pleasers and I'm a recovering people pleaser. I used to do it all the time. I go in and say, well, is this really something I want to do? Because nine times out of 10, we often agree to something. And then we come home later and go, oh, jeepers, that's not something I really wanted to do. And we we feel miserable and then kind of guilty and ashamed that, well, why did I say yes to that? And I'm sure that resonates as well. How many times does that happen? So I think it's, it starts on the inside to really look at your worth. And ditching that not good enoughness. And that's a skill that can be learned. I'm so glad you're telling us this. I was just about to ask you that the concept of radiating mesmerizing energy. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So my question was, what are some specific actionable things that some of our listeners can do to start um, embracing the their own femininity or becoming the radiating mesmerizing person? Uh, you mentioned not asking permission. You kind of stop with the people pleasing and what else what else can they do when i look at rigid structure for someone who doesn't know what the feminine embodied part even is take a look at your calendar where have you scheduled time to even just have lunch not at your desk leave the office schedule it in every day we live by our phones and from meeting to meeting make time for lunch have that half hour, 45 minutes, walk around the block, be in nature. Or even if you're luckily in New Zealand, we have green everywhere. We've got beaches. Go to the beach at lunchtime, sit on a bench, smell the ocean, put your feet into the water, walk bare feet on the sand. It's that connection of, of being in nature that is soothing. And in Japan, they do something called forest bathing because it is exactly honing you. I, I call it linking back to the mothership as a woman in particular. And also, Honor your energetics. This is one of the key elements that I work with women with is we're cyclical beings. We're not the same person every day. We go through our cycle. Uh, hormones are up and down. So we're 28 different days in the 28 um, days of our cycle on average. So there's times when we are um, coming into our flow time where the last thing we want to do is have 15 meetings and do all the social things out there because our body is telling us you actually gone inward you are purging you are on your moon time um so honor that and if you look at your energetics like that you don't have to do the hit class uh six coffees and organize your company's leaving do <laughs> push back on that the other thing is how many women in corporate are still by virtue of being women being the wives of the office when it comes to picking um, I don't know, stuff for lunch for a corporate meeting, making coffee or organizing a gift, those kind of things. 
why does it have to be women? Say no to it. It's not it's not necessarily something um, that's assigned to you by default. It's assumed. Oh, but but you're so much better at color. Don't buy into some of that thing. Really look at how you react to it. Does it feel good to you? Or mm -hmm. you and there is times when you feel like, yeah, that's not a problem. Because it may be for a colleague we really value and we work closely with. But things like, can you organize the boardroom for the clients that are coming? Can you organize the catering? Even though it is your department, there's usually in bigger corporate companies, there is people who tend to take care of it, like an assistant or whatever. And everyone has their roles. But we often get pushed into things that is not what we signed up for. And we really don't want to stay longer. That's the other thing. Look at your timing. Leave it, leave on time. Who says you have to do overtime? We feel like we have to, to be seen a certain way. You're entitled and you need to put boundaries in place to go, that's my private time. And then it goes into when you come out of the office, do something that is the opposite of structure. Put a song in when you're cooking dinner, dance around the kitchen. Movement is one of the best things. Put a frilly dress on. And if you don't have one, <laughs> please do get one in a pink orange yellow some bright color and dance around the house moving in a feminine non-structured way not a not a spin class not a zumba class move and see whatever your body wants to do that is the easiest way to plug yourself in those three other key things and you will find that they will eventually the more often you practice it it will bring you into better alignment and a morning ritual I get up really early before the household wakes up. I sit in my spa or I sit in the garden and just be still and really practice being grateful for what my body does for me. And it's not always perfect, um, but it's your body. Listen to it. It has wisdom. You gave us so many things. And I really feel like I'd love to know from our audience, what is resonating here? And even more so, which of these things do you think you are going to incorporate into your into your life? Um, what resonates with you? Nothing. We don't want to do anything based on guilt. But if anything resonates, let us know. You can send us a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. So many amazing things, especially that one. Two things stand out for me. I wrote down, question the requests. So that's when someone says, hey, can you organize the catering? I mean, I am not the person to organize the catering. That is so not on my love list. But for some people, it would be. They'd love organizing the menu. So that's great for them. For other people, I imagine the frilly dress in the kitchen will be very uncomfortable for them. And other people would love that. So I guess I'm inviting our listeners to maybe not do the easiest natural thing, do the thing that is maybe going to move you further towards how you want to be. So if you do want to be more feminine or less structured, choose the thing that might be a little bit different for you, but you feel drawn to it anyway. Absolutely, because it is what's uncomfortable that is usually showing us, oh, that's where we're hiding ourselves. That's where we're denying something. So go where the fear is, where the uncomfortable part is. It's like a message. The message therapist will go for the part that is knotted up to try mm -hmm. and release that. It's a bit like that when it comes to our blocks as as being stuck in, in too much of the masculine go-go energy. Mm. And speaking of the feminine energy, some people have heard the phrase holding space. What is holding space and what is a sacred circle? Oh, my favorite topic. A sacred circle is where women come together to just be and to share. And when we're in a circle, we are all equals. When you enter a woman's circle, you give up your expectations, you give up your judgment, your titles, and all the roles you play. You come as the woman first. And that can be uncomfortable for a lot. I remember my first time I stepped into a yoga studio. I started crying and couldn't stop. And I didn't know what just hit me. Something on a cellular level triggers a remembrance of that we used to do this before. So it's an ancient practice is what they used to refer to as the red tent, the moon lodge. It's It's got a lot of history. So I decided when I was going through my um, reclamation of self, as I call it, and having an open space for women who have gone through pregnancy loss and openly share 
what we go through because you have to have gone through that yourself to understand no one on our outside world can really grasp the whole concept and what it feels like it's a safe place to fall apart and to put yourself back together mm. and to be heard and seen there is no advice given in a circle when someone is speaking there is no judgment and everyone is just there to hold you and a woman's body needs to feel safe and secure to be able to open uh, at the pinnacle it's intimacy we need to be open to enjoy pleasure and on a level that's to do with communication we need to feel like we can express our voice and that is the boardroom the family in a public forum in a recreational activity everywhere and that is something that takes courage to hold space because you get to hear a lot of things and you need to hold that energy and you need to be able to let that go afterwards and it's something that I treasure and it doesn't matter what I'll do in my business I will always hold those circles what a therapeutic um, opportunity for women to release whatever has gone on or whatever is on their heart I like that without you've got those parameters that's key without the judgment without the advice coming in mm. we don't have too many spaces where we can be and just be in stillness so it's applied sisterhood in a very beautiful format. Mm. And without breaking any confidentiality, what have you seen? What um, transformations or shifts have you seen for women that allow themselves to go into a space like that? And I, I you know, it probably possibly can be intimidating for some people or a little bit woo-woo for others. But what have you seen change as a result? Incredible increases in confidence. A whole new understanding that it can be different when you're with women a lot of healing on a collective level and women really finding their voice and that goes towards practices of actually letting out anger because we bottle it up mm. um, and to the point where you literally throw yourself on a pillow and scream in that pillow because finding that breaking through these barriers where we constantly keep pushing things down eventually it's like the cork on a champagne bottle it pops and then it's unfortunately those closest to us when we get pushed in the corner that will bear the brunt of it because we have gobbled it all up and never released it mm -hmm. so movement voice practice and just speaking openly is healing and a lot of people journal after that so the transformation has been quite mind-blowing and and the testimonials and transformation I've seen in years. I have women who have been coming to my circles for several years and it's just beautiful. It makes me very humble to be able to create a space like that. So you are not far from me in Auckland. Is this something that you do with women only in person or is there an online thing as well and by the way listeners i know many other women who do circles around the country so we can definitely hook you up if you want something closer um, but yeah do you do this online or is it really an in-person thing it's both i do this with a corporate um, environment and i link into a female version of king arthur's round table where we can put all our armor down and talk about what's really going on in the woman uh, so that's an online thing and I do it globally. It's mm. called The Place Where Women Gather. And in my home in Auckland, I hold those circles twice a month with the full moon and the new moon. So that's mm. a little more on the woo-woo side. Um, and I take women in a dark sauna space to have that sensory deprivation, to really go into that void, into the stillness and purge our expectations and whatever is going on on a body, mind, and spirit level. So that makes me a little bit different. I'm also a beekeeper, so I work a lot with the honey and the skin. And it's like a little short holiday crammed into a four-hour window when, uh, when it's nighttime. With how many people? Uh, six at total. So it's very I'm just wondering how big your sauna is. <laughs> it's, it's only for six people. And it is going back to the roots of, ah. I guess, that moon lodge. And the sisterhood of being seen and bearing it all the soul and there's something and it's dark so it's and there's no pressure to actually sit there without your clothes on but the fact that it's just women in a closed space in the darkness and being held 
is a little uncomfortable, but I've seen some huge breakthroughs when we go into those into those parts of ourselves that we don't really want to face. And that's where safety is even more important from an energetical um, point of view where it's comfortable. They, they can let their guard down and they know it's safe and it's, it's a close environment. Mm. I love that concept of putting your armor down Mm. and the identity, right? Because so many people are like, oh, you know, even I remember when I first had my very first child, this is 17 years ago, and I'd be like, well, I'm a mom, but I used to be a projects manager. And I feel like I had to throw that in, like at the play date or whatever, right? Oh, but I've got my master's degree. You know, like really? (laughs) So interesting how we feel like we have to cling to these name tags. And so giving people a place and a space to lovingly leave that at the door and (laughs) to show up present is so I love that you brought that up because Mm. I used to be the same and when I left corporate I felt for a while like I was free falling so who am I because people ask me so who am I I said oh I'm the general manager of xyz Mm. and it was that identity and then when I left that world I had to find myself again who am I why am I here what do I want to bring and holding sacred space the the masculine ego might was like what kind of a job description is that holding sacred space mm-hmm. there's this not good enoughness and, and and university degrees and all the different things it didn't matter that was just me navigating this new path and mm-hmm. growing into what you're really here to bring forth and encouraging other women to be able to explore that I think is where we can be more uh, feminine in our leadership of walking our mm-hmm. talk ourselves and walking each other home. That's really what we're doing. Oh, I love that phrase. So amazing. I do this um, activity with a lot of my clients and um, it's called buzzwords. And, you know, you can do it whether you're an entrepreneur or not. And I get them. T- I've got these little cards that I made. They're gold and blue and they choose these cards, two blues and a gold. Um, you know, and it's like, I'm a motivation activator, you know, I'm a this, I'm a that. So I feel like even your buzzwords, you know, or the, your, I don't know if it's a tagline, but the feminine pathfinder, it's more about how you serve people and what you do rather than, you know, the other stuff is what we've done. You know, the credentials I've done this Mm -hmm. degree and I've got this title. It's like, you are the feminine pathfinder. You help women to find their path towards being more feminine, which is amazing. Let's talk about your book. Tell me about your book. You know, what is the... What is the main message? Um, how can people learn more about your book specifically? The book was really an ode to all the wild women, to all the little girls that were told at some stage that you're too much. And it is um, trailing the journey that I briefly touched on in this interview of um, the, list, the lessons learned um, and then what is the state of the nation in corporate in the last few years and what's the way out of it so it has some of those steps on how you incorporate how to reconnect to yourself how to find yourself Uh, and it takes you on a journey it has inquiry in it Um, it does uh, get you to reflect and hopefully embrace the wild it has my wild womanifesto as I call it in there as well which is kind of like a call to I wouldn't say armor but a call to full expression and that's why I call myself an unapologetic wild woman, because it's mm-hmm. taken me nearly five decades to arrive where I am. And I hope other women explore that and find other wild women to spend time with. You know what? I've got a list. I'm such a nerd. I'm such a super connector. I've already got a list of about five awesome women that I'm keen to connect you with. So I'll do that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> One of my mentors says that collaboration is mm. a new domination because it is nice. intrinsically female. That is so good. And that's really a lot of the essence of what you're saying today. You know, it's like not about comparison. It's about, as I call it, co-opetition, but leaving your armor at the door and, you know, allowing ourselves to express and release. And then so that we can, I think, step in to be who we're born to be. That That's my take on it. Yes, definitely. Amazing. I'd love to ask you, what is one thing you've done in the last year, Tina, where you truly upped your brave? Writing the book, putting my story, my message, and my picture on the front cover, (laughs) and putting it out for the world to see and read. That is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) That is amazing. And it's a lot of effort writing a book, especially, right? It's like the whole book is you. It's not just one chapter in a collab, yes? I know. 
That's amazing. Congratulations. What about a bucket list item? Is there anything that you would love to do, to be, or experience in your lifetime uh, that we could possibly help you with? I would like to help other women channel their books because I believe every woman has a story. And one thing that I have learned through my journey, even though this book or what I write about has been a 10-year journey, writing this down is the ultimate form of shadow work and of breaking through limiting blocks and beliefs. And again, it needs to be held in a safe space. Mm. There's 101 different book writing guidelines and all the things and all the tech stuff is easy to follow. But when it's your story, you really need to have some guidance and and share this with other women because we're going through this together. So I want to bring women together in a book circle Mm. where we all write a book in 90 days. Oh my goodness. Um, I have a 10 year experience in publishing. So I know all the things when it comes to putting it out and printing it and um, being able to do this for women in New Zealand in particular, because you don't need to necessarily go to the US or the UK or Australia. Uh, You can do this all right here. And I think this is another part of me holding safe space. So women really find a way to bring those stories out because anyone who is especially in the entrepreneurial world or embarking on it, your story is your message and your message is your business. That's It's your why. And crafting that as a book is exhilarating, it's exciting, but also beautiful for your business. Mm. And your message is your mission quite often as well. Yeah, it's, it's our why. It's why we show up. I love the idea of a book circle. And I think that would be so supportive because you're right. Every, everyone, not every woman, everyone has a story in them. And some people feel drawn or called to share that with the world, but sometimes they get stuck on the like how. And so that's amazing that you can help hold their hand through that process. Yeah. And there's a way of letting it flow rather than opening up that Word document. I'm writing a book and you start from page one <laughs> and try and fill all the different chapter buckets. It doesn't work like that. Mm. It has to be done. the up. It has to be messy, like, like, like nature, like ups and downs. And there's a way through it. Brilliant. So if you're out there and you're, you've got a book in you and you've been waiting for someone to um, invite you in to help channel that, you can get in touch with Tina. What is coming up with you? What is coming up for you in the next six months? And how can people connect with you, reach out and contact you online? What's coming up for me is a lot more public speaking, especially in the US, as I try and stand on the other side of the fire and kind of draw out or light a spark in corporate women who are who used to be um more vibrant and who've lost themselves Mm. and it's kind of like looking at at a previous version of myself um and i also would like to help women really rediscover their femininity and get through that confidence lack where we're holding ourselves back and give them the power to really be seen because as a business owner or even in your corporate career You want to be able to stand grounded and assertive, not shrill and aggressive. There is that groundedness. And this is what I do in the Fempreneur Pathfinder, which is my signature coaching program. It taps into all of those conditioning elements, as well as some good old fashioned business acumen on how to set up a business so it does not burn you out. And then there is a feminine chrysalis, which is just getting you in touch with your cyclical nature understanding your feminine and masculine flow and how you can incorporate that in daily life. So what I touched on briefly is really a bit of a a bit of a rabbit hole to take women into in a safe way to explore what's lying beneath the surface that needs to be blown out and cleared so they can become more wholesome. So good. I wrote that down. How to set up a business so it doesn't burn you out. I think a lot of people are going to put their hand up for that. Yeah, and you can you can you can reach out on I'm on Instagram at the underscore fempreneur, and my website is fempreneurpathfinder.com. And if you are in Auckland and you want to come into a circle and and have a little dabble in that and a sauna, uh, you can find me at sacredcircle.co.nz. So good, so good, amazing. Thank you so much. And before we wrap things up on this amazing topic of your journey from corporate burnout to cakes, hey, what's the cakes part? <laughs> yes. Well, when I ditched corporate, um, I went into setting up a cake studio and Ooh. it's been my 
creative outlet, my place to grieve my happy place. And this is how we met a long time ago, where I was in my kitchen and sometimes I would make a baby shower cake um, two weeks after I miscarried and I would pull my eyes out. Um, But it was a really good place for me to just be creative. There was no going into the office. There was no having to put on any makeup or a corporate suit. I was literally just being me. Did you sometimes Uh, smash the cake? No, no, I didn't. (laughs) They were quite popular, those smash cakes, and it was tempting. Yeah. But it was my my healing journey of, of running a business that was the opposite of what I used to do. Wow. And so you used to come event. to my go-to girl events, right? Is did you were and you came with your cake business? Is that right? I know, I did. You know, I'm a huge believer in divine timing, and I love when people cross my path again. You know, you come into each other's lives at just at the right time, and I feel like that's the case for us. So I'm so honored to talk to you today. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we wrap things up? I think allow yourself to explore where you have let yourself be conditioned too much. And when you're afraid of something or there's something is uncomfortable, that's your divine nudge to lean into it. Go where the fear is because that's where the growth is and the breakthrough. And it's a beautiful saying that it's where the the, the cracks need to happen for the light to shine through. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for everything you shared. I have taken so many notes, you guys. So I don't really take, I don't put a lot of notes on the replay page, but I definitely w- will put the links as to where you can find Tina. And you, of course, if you want to go and listen again, you can go to the replay page. It's on our app, the Reality Check Radio app, which by the way, when we got the app, it doubled our listeners in one week. You know, it almost crashed the system. It was quite amazing. But you can also go back to the regular page, which is realitycheck.radio and you click on Up Your Brave, uh, click replays and then go and find the Up Your Brave show. Thank you, Tina, for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me and uh, congratulations to this channel. It's a breath of fresh air. Oh, yay. And I know we're talking about a lot of topics you don't hear on the regular. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And thanks again, Tina. Thank you. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.